The reading is from John chapter 7 on page 1661 and it's beginning at the 37th verse to the, to the 40th, I think. 39, sorry. Yep. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks. Uh, my name's Henry. It's good to see you here. And uh, yeah, if, if we haven't met before, welcome. Um, it's great that we can get together and think about this question. What is the good life? Uh, it's, yeah, there we go. What is the good life? It's a big question. It's an important question. Uh, I think it's, it's one that's been asked through the ages and continues to be asked today and with good reason because I think people want to know, we want to know, how can I experience a good life? And that's something deep down all of us long for. Uh, there are a number of different angles we could take on this question. Uh, so first of all, let's clarify what we mean by the good life. I had a look on the internet at this question. I typed into Google, what is the good life? A few different things came up. Uh, the, the first hit, I think it was an ad, was great offers on eBay. Probably not the answer, but that was there. Uh, there was one article titled, Want a Good Life? Just Don't Do Stupid Stuff. Probably true, not necessarily helpful. Uh, and then we can look at uh, some of the ancient philosophers like, there we go, back. Plato. So Plato uh, talked about the life of virtue. Uh, Epicurus, the life of pleasure. That's Plato on the left, in case you're wondering. They look exactly the same. Um, and then various articles talked about um, having purpose, having good relationships, being financially secure, having good health. Um, but I think all of these different elements, I think, to summarise all can, uh, what we want these things to lead to is a deep and profound sense of satisfaction. That sense of, ah, yes, I'm, I'm fulfilled, I'm content, my needs and desires are met. And at the most basic level, uh, the true good life is one of true and lasting satisfaction. So this morning we're going to take a look at the words of Jesus that we've just heard read from the Bible and think about what he has to say on how we can experience this true satisfaction. Uh, let's uh, pray as we start. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we engage with these words of Jesus this morning, as we think about how we can experience the good life, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear and understand and be changed so we can be truly satisfied. Amen. Well, to answer the question of how we can achieve true satisfaction, I think we start by recognising our thirst for satisfaction. 
Now, these words of Jesus are from the Gospel of John, an account of Jesus' life written by one of his closest followers. And at first, these words sound kind of weird, don't they? Like he's talking about being thirsty and drinking and rivers and stuff. Like, it's just a bit strange. Uh, But let's back up. Let's set the scene. So prior to this, Jesus has been going around uh, teaching and performing miracles. And people have mixed opinions about him. Some think he's a good man. Some say he's a deceiver or demon-possessed. And still others think maybe he's the Messiah sent from God to rescue the world. And then this big Jewish festival takes place. And halfway through, Jesus starts teaching and claims that he has been sent by God. And then it's on the last day of the festival that Jesus gets up and says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is an unusual thing to say, isn't it? Now, this is not Jesus standing next to a water cooler handing out cups of water to people on a hot day. The thirst that Jesus is talking about is a deep spiritual thirst. It's an invitation to people who are longing to experience that true satisfaction, not just physically or materially, but in their soul, being truly fulfilled in an all-encompassing sense. Because Jesus knows that we're not satisfied. Maybe on the surface or in certain areas or at certain points in time, but We're still longing for a true satisfaction that will last because for all our striving, we never quite seem to achieve it. Uh, We spend a lot of time and money and effort on having a good life, but it's an endless pursuit. We never quite arrive. We still lack a satisfaction that will meet our deepest needs in a lasting way. Are you thirsty? Deep down, do you long for more in life? Often we get drops of satisfaction, but then it dries up. It doesn't last or truly fulfill us. Why is this? Well, I think a desire to be satisfied is a good and right uh, desire. It's part of being human, but we tend to look for satisfaction in the wrong places in things that can't fulfill us. Things like money, having a nice house, clothes or possessions, technology, entertainment. And not just material things, but uh, experiences, comfort, career, status, achievements. Now these things aren't bad. Uh, In fact, they're gifts from God that can be Uh, good and and healthy when they're viewed rightly. And to some degree, these things do bring a sense of satisfaction in life. But they can't give you everything. There have been plenty of people who've had it all, yet have been desperately unfulfilled. The actor Jim Carrey, if we can get him up on the screen. There we go. He said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous 
do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And there are plenty of people who've had it all, yet lose it in an instant. You know, we, we just need to look at our news headlines. I mean, the floods that we've had in Australia, uh, bushfires, I think, in Europe, uh, the economic crisis in Sri Lanka, the COVID pandemic, uh, the war. These things don't last. They can't satisfy the thirst of our souls. And they're not meant to. They're only a taste. Uh, so the author, C.S. Lewis, he said this, All the things that have ever deeply possessed your soul have been but hints of heaven, tantalising glimpses, promises never quite fulfilled, echoes that died away just as they caught your ear. See, we've been made for so much more. Uh, Lewis goes on, he says, if, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We're meant for more. See, humans at our core are relational creatures. Uh, just think, if you had everything you ever wanted but were all alone in the world, that's not a good life. We'd be incredibly lonely. We'd have so many needs unmet. Our needs for uh, connection, for interaction, for affirmation, to share in the joys and struggles of life together. Author Andy Crouch says, the very first human quest is recognition. First of all, we're just looking for someone who is looking for us. We were made for relationship. But not just with other humans, our family and friends. As important as these are, you can lose a loved one. You can fall out with a friend. Uh, there are those who've been abandoned or who are alone. We're made for something deeper. We've been made for relationship with God. God is the creator, the source of life and love. He's a relational God who made us in his image to know him and be known by him, to love him and be loved by him. And it's in this relationship that we find true and lasting satisfaction. Uh, the great theologian and philosopher Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O God and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. But our hearts remain unsatisfied when we try and pursue satisfaction apart from him. And if you're cut off from the water source, you end up in a desert. And this is what all humans, including us, have done. We've ignored the God who created us for true life in relationship with him. And we've wandered off searching for satisfaction elsewhere. Uh, this reality is captured when God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and said, 
My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. We see the results of this as we look around us. We are a thirsty world, full of thirsty people crying out for living water. So how do we quench our thirst for satisfaction? Well, the answer is found in Jesus, the wellspring of living water, the true source of life. See, God doesn't want us to remain in the desert. He wants all people to be reconnected to him for our thirst to be quenched and for us to experience true satisfaction as he intended. See, the desire we have for satisfaction isn't bad. Uh, God isn't out to spoil our fun or keep us from pleasure. Uh, in, in fact, you might think, well, actually, I'm pretty satisfied right now. Uh, but God wants, to be, wants us to be satisfied at a deeper level than we can ever imagine. C.S. Lewis, again, says, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. God wants more for us. And so God sent his son Jesus as living water for a parched world, satisfaction for thirsty souls. And as Jesus walked on this earth, the life of God flowed through him. Everything he touched turned to life. He healed the sick. He welcomed those who'd been outcast by society. He set sinners free. He raised the dead back to life. This is what happens when living water starts to flow in a desert place. All that Jesus did shows what true life looks like for individuals, for communities, and for the world when connected to the source of living water. And then Jesus extends an invitation to all those who are thirsty to come to him and be fulfilled. And ultimately, Jesus came to restore our relationship with God, the relationship we were made for where true and lasting satisfaction is found. And Jesus achieves this through what John calls his glorification, his death on the cross, his resurrection to new life and ascension into heaven. See, though Jesus came to bring life, he ends up being executed by the Romans at the insistence of the Jewish religious leaders. Later in his account, John records the death of Jesus. There's a profound moment where Jesus hangs on the cross, dying, and gasps, I'm thirsty. By turning away from God and trying to find satisfaction elsewhere, we are lost in a spiritual desert. 
separated from God, the source of life. We can't find our own way back. We can't find or create living water ourselves. We need Jesus to come into the desert and pour out living water to quench our thirst. This is what Jesus does when he dies on the cross. He enters our spiritual desert and pours out his life to bring us back to God so that we can drink living water. He became thirsty so that your thirst could be quenched. And it's as we see this beautiful moment that our hearts are truly satisfied to know that even though we've turned from God and have done nothing to deserve it, that Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to die for us and experience the ultimate thirst, to be himself cut off from God, separated from that life, in order to give us life. And as we see the beauty of his love for us, a love that's so much deeper, more secure, more lasting than anything this world can offer. Everything else pales in comparison. By Jesus restoring our relationship with God, our deepest desires are met as we get to fully enjoy the life and love of God. Jesus says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. He goes on to say, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So it's by believing in Jesus that we drink the water of life. This means trusting in Jesus as our source of satisfaction, looking to him above and beyond anything else offered to us, recognizing the way that uh, other things might promise to satisfy us but leave us dry, and believing Jesus' promise that he alone can truly satisfy our thirst. Uh, in the sixth book of the Narnia series, The Silver Chair, I uh, don't know if you've read it, but uh, Jill is dying of thirst. She meets Aslan, the great lion, who invites her to come and drink from uh, a stream of cool, refreshing water. Uh, but Jill is scared of the presence of Aslan and uh, what he might do to her. So Jill says, I didn't come and drink. Then you will die of thirst, says the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There's no other stream, said the lion. Jesus is the only source of living water. Well, what happens when we come to Jesus and our thirst for satisfaction is met? Well, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now he's talking about the spirit of God that we receive in our hearts when we trust in Jesus to reconnect us to God. So when we believe in Jesus, the very life of God becomes present in us by his spirit. And three things happen. We are changed, our communities are changed, and the world will be changed. 
So we are changed. We, we experience true satisfaction in our hearts. When we're in connection with the one from whom all life flows uh, and we're satisfied in his love, we experience true comfort and security and approval that is deep, deep enough to meet our spiritual thirst. And it will last. It will endure eternally when all else passes away. And we start to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we saw a beautiful illustration of that in that video earlier, that when we're satisfied, we start to produce things like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, instead of anger and resentment and bitterness and worry and discontentment that comes when we're uh, striving for satisfaction. We become like a well-watered tree. Now this doesn't take place immediately uh, and completely. Like if you're severely dehydrated and you drink some water, you don't just suddenly straight away have all this energy again. It takes time to rehydrate. And then when you have drunk water, that doesn't mean you don't need to drink water again. You need to keep drinking water. And in the same way, uh, this satisfaction that we find in Jesus, we need to keep coming back to him. We need to keep throughout our lives drinking from him as the source of living water. Uh, secondly, our communities are changed. Uh, we see true transformation and flourishing. So when we are truly satisfied, we start to look to the interests of others because we're content and fulfilled in God's love. So there's no longer competing, taking advantage, uh, self-interest or hurting others in our quest for satisfaction when we um, pursue false means of satisfaction. And beyond our own community, this means pursuing the good life for all. So caring for those in need, seeking justice, seeking the flourishing of our society through our work. The church becomes a little oasis of living water that God has set up in the world so that others might taste and come and drink. But what about the problems in the church that we see? Well, yeah, I think that's, that's really important to acknowledge and recognise. Uh, and I think that's a sign of what happens when people aren't coming to Jesus to be satisfied, when they're not drinking the water of life that he offers. Uh, that spiritual dryness comes back and uh, selfishness starts to show. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the water of life that Jesus offers is the problem. Uh, John Dixon, a historian and author, gives this illustration of um, a beautiful symphony uh, that is written and he tries to play it on the cello, only he can't play the cello. So it sounds awful. Uh, the problem is not with the music that's been written. When the music is played correctly, the tune is beautiful. And it's the same for the church. And lastly, the world will be changed 
true life restored. There's a beautiful picture at the end of the Bible uh, of what heaven will be like. Uh, The river of life flowing from God's presence and everyone uh, drinking and being satisfied, leading to flourishing and perfection. Everything will be made new and complete and perfect. We will lack nothing. We will be eternally satisfied in God's perfect presence. And we will have full access forever to the living water to truly quench our thirst. Uh, There's an old hymn uh, that goes like this. A never-failing fountain is the precious love of Christ. Its overflowing fullness has my yearning heart sufficed. A depth without a bottom, a sea without a shore, where my thirst has all been quenched, to wake again no more. Or if it wakes, tis only, to drink again more deep from that never-failing fountain whose waters upward leap. So great, so vast, so mighty, unmeasured, full and free. Oh, the deep, sweet love of Jesus that truly satisfies me. Are you thirsty? Come to Jesus and drink living water. Be truly satisfied in him. Let's pray. Father God, you are the creator and source of all life. We recognise that we have turned away from the life you offer and have searched for satisfaction elsewhere. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world to pour out living water, to quench our spiritual thirst and bring us back into relationship with you. Please transform our hearts and satisfy us with your love. Amen.